everybody and welcome back to the Portsmouth Running Podcast. As always, I am your solo host, Daniel Del Piccolo. Gosh, what a what a week. I, I don't even know where to start with um, the show introduction. I, I kind of have been flicking between the idea of promising not to mention it, but at the same time, that really kind of wouldn't work because it would it would definitely be the elephant in the room. So I'm going to mention it, COVID-19. Of course, we're all we've all been massively affected by it. Everyone around the globe has been massively affected by it. Uh, very very strange times at the moment. Um, very unique times. Uh, everyone's finding it really difficult to adjust to working from home and not being able to go out and get groceries and stuff. But you know what? The first thing I wanted to say was I've seen huge amounts of of compassion and kindness showed by by loads of different people, and and it's really you can see it when you're out and about in the streets at the moment when you're walking around and. You know, whether you're visiting the shops or just walking along the seafront, uh, it's you know people are kind of saying hello to each other a lot more and kind of giving each other like a like a like a cheeky little smile to to almost to say, yep, we're going through it as well. We know exactly what you've been through. So there's um yeah, there's definitely a lot of kindness and compassion being shown out there. A lot of people helping each other. Um, and, and an example of that was one of our neighbours down the road today dropped the red and yellow, well, not red and yellow, red and green cards through the door. Uh, you know, obviously with a, just a short list of instructions and a phone number as well to A, start a WhatsApp group with um, everyone on the road and B, to um, obviously put the card on the window. Um, if you're in need of something, you can put a red card or um, put a green card if um, if everything's okay. So people are generally um, picking up on that idea and using it quite well. And I've already seen uh, quite a few of our neighbours in the street using that. So yeah, some just some really good ideas coming out and Gosh, the amount of uh, online resources that have been made publicly available uh, through various companies and professionals and coaches, especially around the running topic as well, is just just incredible. There's um, there's so many resources now out there available on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. I mean, people are people have really gone out of their way to kind of open up and and let people have access to various ideas on how to keep fit and exercise in, in the home. And you know, basically, if you're not allowed to go out in a group, then these ideas are all fantastic to uh, to you know, keep everyone motivated and, and keep moving and keep active. And on that um, kind of topic, I want to do also add that podcasts like our very own Portsmouth Running Podcast are available. If you have a podcast catcher, it's worthwhile searching on there for running podcasts. And as an idea, I can give you uh, the names of quite a few that I use on my own podcast catcher on my phone. A few examples are the Running For Real podcast. Uh, the Let's Get Running podcast, uh, the British Ultra Running podcast, ultrarunner.com, uh, there's Bad Boy Running, there's the Science of Ultra, Talk Ultra, Marathon Talk, uh, the Coopcast, Run Pod. So yeah, just go into your catches and, and, and have a search. But honestly, the um, the, the amount of hours uh, worth of um, kind of like running topic listening that you'd have in there is, oh, there's literally thousands of hours. So Plenty of good information and useful stuff there to listen to through uh, through the next few weeks. Now, as everyone knows as well, Parkrun has been cancelled everywhere. And this has really hit a, people, a lot of people really, really hard because um, for, for many of us out there, you know, we kind of run socially through the week and stuff. But, but for a lot of people, it is really the only social gathering, especially when it comes to running, that, that they get to do during the week. And... You know, from my own point of view, when I first heard Parkrun was cancelled, I, I kind of didn't really brush it off. You know, I, I kind of realised what a big deal it is and things. But I didn't really think too hard uh, about, um, you know, how that impacts other people's lives. And seeing all the messages 
of uh, you know people have been posting on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook has really kind of like you know made me realize just how important Parkrun is to a lot of people out there. So um, I know they'll be back and it's temporary. Uh, so just hang in there, everybody, and uh, Parkrun will be back. And the only thing I was going to really end with um, on that point, on the COVID-19 point, was if there's anything that, that you listeners out there think that we can do as a podcast, um, please just drop us an email at portsmouthrunningpodcast uh, at gmail.com. And yeah, if there's any ideas you can have, also post them on our Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter feeds as well. Um, obviously, we'd, we'd be keen to kind of help out. But I realize that a lot of us are kind of in Facebook and Twitter all the time through the week. Um, so we're seeing a lot of these online resources becoming freely available and things. But yeah, if, if, there's, if there's anything extra we can do, we'd obviously do it um, as a podcast here as well. So good luck, everyone. And uh, we will get through this together. Don't stockpile on food, <laughs> obviously. Uh, I, know, I know there's been plenty of people doing it. And I've seen people with my own eyes trying to fill baskets of potatoes. And uh, there was one person in our local shop that was trying to fill a basket full of chocolate. Uh, yeah, which I can kind of uh, kind of get the idea of. I, I'm, I'm on board with that. But yeah, you know, if we all just kind of select what we need, there'll be plenty of um, food available for everyone. And toilet rolls. Don't forget the toilet rolls. So what have I been up to over the last week? Clearly, all races cancelled, so the training uh, goes on regardless. Um, but obviously, a lot of um, there's been about six months worth of worth of work put in. Uh, which was kind of really focusing on on that end goal of the Thames Path 100, but that's fine. It's moved to next uh, next year now, and you know I think uh, I posted this before this week. You know to be in this situation is hard, but to be a runner in this situation is probably a lot lot better than being a race organizer. So kudos to all the teams out there that have had to make that difficult decision, uh, which now seems to be blanket, of course. Uh, you know, good luck to all the teams out there having to reschedule and reorganize races and. You know, we really do hope to see these events uh, still running next year because obviously the impact to to a lot of them is, is huge. And, and I was really sad to have, have pulled out of my race because I couldn't make the rescheduled date later in the year. Uh, but like I said, um, I'll be back next year and hopefully maybe squeeze something in once everything kind of normalizes and there are a few more uh, better, more stable options uh, for the future. So hopefully we get a race, a, a big race later on in the year. Uh, but we'll see we'll see what happens with that but last weekend my friend jason and i uh, took a trip up to queen elizabeth country park his wife lisa kindly dropped us off uh, we were packed ready for a long run and we ran from queen elizabeth country park to worthing train station which was meant to be about 34 35 miles and ended up being nearly 40. Uh, i was broken by the end of it uh, there was a really funny uh, picture of me posted on Instagram kind of bent over on the coffee table uh, shop in um, in the train station in Worthing I was absolutely finished I mean I hadn't eaten enough I don't think so uh, yeah kind of my own fault really but yeah it was quite funny it was a really really good run it was very muddy especially the second half going towards Worthing but it was nice to kind of see that portion of the South Downs way because we hadn't seen it for, for, for quite a while um, since we raced on, on that section a couple of years ago uh, for the South Downs Way 100 so yeah, it's just a nice kind of recap um, yeah, to see what's about there. And the one thing that was really stood out on that run for me was the amount of time it takes once you come off the South Downs Way to get down to Worthing. Uh, I don't know if it was because I was in the kind of state of mind I was in and quite tired and hadn't eaten enough, but my goodness, it went on for ages. Uh, but yeah, we eventually uh, hit home, hit the station, uh, spent a bit of time recovering, had a coffee and uh, took a train home. And yeah, it was a fantastic run, really, really good, quite windy out. 
but we had the wind behind us for most of the way and yeah just a, a really good route and one to bear in mind if you're wanting to uh, eventually run run that distance because obviously it's convenient with the trains and you can you can run from Petersfield train station as well so yeah good day out and just trying to recover this week and get the legs back to normal again so enough ramblings uh, from me for this uh, episode and on to the interview for this week and my guest is Joanne Kitching uh, Joanne is a good gymmer living in Portsmouth, a uh, long-time runner, having started her, her running at a young age in Gateshead near Newcastle. And Joe tells us all about racing as a youngster, training hard, training with top-end coaches, helping out at international uh, meets as a, as a youngster and getting to see some, some uh, international athletes coming over and racing in the UK. Uh, Joanne comes from uh, quite a competitive background, so she's, she's used to racing on the track uh, taking part in cross country uh, and she, we also get to talk a little bit about joe having a little bit of a break with her running which was in fact a 15 year break uh, so it was very interesting to discuss um, how she ended up down in portsmouth uh, and got back into running after the um, the big gap away from it so uh, please welcome joanne kitching and i'll speak to you all on next week's show take care all the best sending much love to everybody and happy miles here we go. So we're uh, we're live. Joe, thank you so so much for coming onto the show and uh, joining me for the first ever online remote um, interview. So I appreciate your time. Thank you, Joe. How are you no, doing today? I'm alright, thank you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm I'm okay. Just uh, sitting in isolation. Haven't got sitting it. But, yeah. Haven't got it. Yeah, but, yeah I know. Sitting really lonely. It's very bizarre. It is, isn't it? It's a, it's a really strange week for everybody and, and obviously everyone around the world, which is kind of hard to get your head around sometimes because it's yeah. it's just incredible that it is everyone around the planet that's affected the same way. Yeah. So It's very, yeah. very weird. Yeah. Mm. How, how are you coping? Are you actually working from home at the moment? or? Um, yeah, I mean, I work predominantly from home anyway because I can because of my job, but um, we have been told not to go to the office. So I've been at home probably since I think the last time I went to the office was last Tuesday. So that's been oh, quite wow. hard because I, I work, I'm, I'm, I quite like going to meet people. But um, yeah, so I've been predominantly basically away from an office for over a week, nearly two. Okay, you know, uh, yes, yeah. yeah, so you're, you're, so you're almost a week ahead of, of me because I'm after working from home on Monday mm. um, and I'm already going stir crazy. So you must be yeah. kind of like a week ahead. What, what's it like a week ahead, Joe? <laughs> um, it's just as bad. I mean, I have a cat. He's not very talkative. That's my only coworker. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I'm I'm attending any meeting early so I can have a chat with somebody before the call. It's basically that bad. <laughs> but um, I've got well, I've got you know I've got WhatsApp groups of friends and our, my good gym friends, so that's been really good because that's helped lighten the load a bit. Mm, that's cool. I mean, it's it's like it's something that I kind of almost want to steer away from because I've heard so much about it. But what what I find fascinating is how many um companies and and you know everything from from beer companies to supermarkets to all sorts of of different different um trades have all got really creative with the way that they're doing business and and also like the, the things that they're offering people for free to do and certain fees are being waived and stuff so it kind of feels like everyone's kind of come together a little bit it's quite nice as well yeah yeah i do like that i mean that there is some negative points to it but there's yeah there's some of the companies have been very good and a lot of online stuff as well a lot of people trying to keep people fit by doing free classes i think that's been really really good as well there's yeah there's lots of that i've seen so many people posting uh you know if, you know free videos on youtube and their favorite kind of like hit workouts to do from mm -hmm. home and 
I've actually seen videos even on Facebook tonight of um, some other runners I know doing doing laps around their kitchen island. So it's been <laughs> yeah. quite hilarious. I was like, you should, you should create a Strava segment like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do one of them down the stairs, I think. Yeah. Really. So, Joe, um, looking looking back a bit, I, I I remember we originally met, I believe, on the first. I think it was the first evening that Good Gym started in Portsmouth. Possibly. I mean, I was there. Yeah. It was yeah, back in yeah two years ago in May. Yeah, we were at Manor Infants. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we we met. We met there one night and I think, um, yeah, kind of all just was getting started. And I don't think um, uh, the Good Gym Group and Katie had particularly had much um, requests for for jobs to be done and, and good deeds to be done back then. But I remember that night we ran up and down the roads in Portsmouth delivering leaflets into um, people's post yeah. boxes. Yeah, that was yeah, that was another one. Yeah, we had, I think, two groups. We had one group that stayed local and then we had yeah. a group that we needed to come a bit further afield. And it was yeah, you and I, we came more towards the PO4 area. Yeah, absolutely. We, we that was hard up. work. It was, yeah. I think we we had about three hundred leaflets. We had quite a few, and yeah, we um, yeah, leaflet dropping is actually quite tricky because you've got to just keep running, putting through the door, then going to the next one, and until the finish. So yeah, it is. It's a good run, but also um, yeah, it just takes a lot longer than you think. It was, yeah. It was a lot, lot of stop, stop, uh, stop and starting, and I also see I, I I view post boxes differently now. They're like vicious dogs <laughs> because I think I remember getting back and my hands were sore from putting from putting leaflets into the post boxes. Yeah, yeah, and and, and learning methods to open gates because some gates don't open the way you expect them to open as well. So yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's um yeah interesting. Yeah, putting the um putting the leaflets through and making sure there wasn't a noisy dog at the other side waiting for it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> interesting times but yes i mean obviously since then um and, and we'll go into it a little bit later you've done so many more uh you know good gym evenings and i believe it's something that you've become like really really active in and um you're kind of like i guess katie's right hand good gym yeah i'm one of her task force so um basically when you've done so many over 10 good deeds you can join the task force so then you can help out arranging community missions um, yes. I'm also um, one a qualified run leader as well for it. Um, there is another friend, Sam. She's also another run leader. So if Katie does want to take a break, um, it means that the group runs on a Wednesday can still continue. Okay. So it means that I can run that and also Sam can run that. So we're also um, qualified LERFs, leaders in running fitness with UK Athletics. Okay. So we've done that as well so that we're, we're qualified and we've done the good gym training so we can we can take a group out if we need to. But yeah, awesome, I've been there. Awesome. I've done over 130 odd good deeds now. So I've got what's called my wings. You get wings on a t-shirt. So yeah, it's um, it's been a massive change to me for the last two years. It's been it's been a brilliant experience. I couldn't recommend it enough to anybody. If they're ever thinking of joining Good Gym, do it. It's you won't regret it. Yeah, I, I can definitely second that. I mean, it's um, it's quite amazing how the, the good deeds have accumulated over the years. And, uh, you know, to see now, I think it's just about to hit two and a half thousand, which yeah. we, we mentioned on Casey's yeah. show. But yeah, just absolutely incredible. It's such a good, it's a good thing. It's really good. Like, it's a really good social experience as well. And like you say, that you've got the fitness involved and it's just three awesome things coming together in one. It's, uh, it's, it's been fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, has how is how has the last week kind of affected good gym I, i'm assuming that now it has the... it's we were we were um told on monday that we weren't to do any more so all our group runs our regular runs on a wednesday that we have were cancelled until further notice and all any make any community missions we had unless they're urgent um we couldn't do and i think katie mentioned our coach runners where we have like one person visits an isolated older person once a week 
that's also yeah. not allowed to be face to face now. I think it has to be phone calls. So okay. it has had a massive impact because all the interaction we've had has stopped. Um, obviously, mm. we were due to be we were due to be at the food bank on Wednesday, which we had to cancel. Um, we're yep. trying to find out if there's anything we can help with with what's going on, but obviously until we get the go ahead from Good Gym headquarters and on the very standards, we can't we can't do anything. So it's been hard because you know we're we're all we all want to go out and help our community. So on Wednesday, a lot of us all went out on our own, did our own run, and um, okay. did our own community mission, did some litter picking, or you know just went around. It 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 has been pretty tough on us to try and uh, realize we can't actually get out there and help. Yeah, it's it's a real shame to hear that because, like you say, there's a lot of people who who kind of rely on visits and rely on on these tasks to keep things going. But on the other hand, it's um I think you you, you hit a good point earlier where you said that you're you're waiting on on Good Gym's kind of orders, I guess, to or yeah. guidance on on when to, when to start back up. And but that's super important because there's obviously this race has been cancelled and yeah. now park runs around the country have been cancelled. In fact, around the world have been cancelled. Um. And it's a good point to kind of like maybe iterate now, even just for the listeners, show, listeners on the show to um, to kind of say that it's, it's important that those events don't go ahead as, you know, as kind of like organized group runs on their own and just to kind of stick to the advice from park runs and, and good gym and not go and do those events. Um, obviously, it kind of defeats the purpose if people are getting together on their own. Mm. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. we have got to, we haven't got together. I mean, that's what I think we've all found hardest because we all work together as a a group we're a really we're a really close bunch I mean everybody says good gyms a family and, and I would say the Portsmouth one is and it just feels mm-hmm. like at the minute you, you're separated from that family you can't see them but you know we have to follow the, the guidelines that have been put in place not just for anything anyway but also from from the running point of view and from good gyms so we're all you know respecting that no matter how hard it is yeah that's good yeah Tr- trust those decisions everybody and I think I think they're always made made for the uh you know for the good um but yeah have you uh you know you, you said you went out and did your own run on, on wednesday have you been out at all um today or this week i'm on um, your own no just wednesday was it the, i've had a busy week with work um my work sometimes takes me into doing work late into the evening so i was doing some of that um and yeah i just haven't i haven't had a chance so i i, I made an effort to go out last night as i said I've kind of briefly to you, I'm, I'm quite a social runner so if yeah. someone says I'm coming out for a run, I will happily go out with them, not a problem. So but going on my own takes a little bit more effort for me. But I'll be honest, once I got out last night, I'm glad I went out. It was really good. So I just yeah, need to get into I, that into that routine, I think. I don't, I don't think you're running there, Jerry. So it's pretty hard to get out on your own sometimes and motivate yourself to, to get to get out onto the onto the road. But like you say, once you're there, you're you're pretty good. Um, yeah. So uh, so have you, where did you go yesterday on your uh, on your Wednesday um, run? I just went. Route? Um, I just went down along the seafront. Weirdly, I'm probably the seafront isn't always my favourite. I think I just find it a bit too just same. I like to go somewhere different. But um, last night I just headed down along um, towards Old Portsmouth around the Garrison Church and came back and did probably okay. about, I think cool. I did about four and a half miles. But um, yeah, it was a really good run actually. Yeah, I, I do. I, I love the seafront myself, and I, and I know, like you say, it does get a bit samey sometimes. But I like to kind of during the run just say like oh I'm going to go around that but now or, or just like make that little take that little corner that I've ne- never taken before or run mm. through the rock garden or or something different and there's um <laughs> there's one of my one of my favorite things to do is to run at the back of the castle field so yeah. on the side closest to the sea and there's a few benches um at the top of the little tiny hill that you get there and there's a little side wall and I love to like run and just do like a sideways 
kind of like side run up the wall and and, and do a jump over the bench um, okay. i don't know why but it's just one of my favorite little things to do during the run so i've, I've normally would, got to be I on my own if I, do that. I think if i did that i'd probably you know catch my foot and just go flying over so yeah i just don't think that'd be very elegant so yeah i probably don't trust myself on that i've nearly done that a few times but yeah just these, these little things you do to entertain yourself during the run so yeah um Joe, to tell us a little bit about yourself, and, uh, and I know we've been discussing all things Corona and stuff, so and a little bit of good gym, but pushing that aside now, um, what is it that you do for a living? Um, I'm an IT consultant, so I'm a software developer, really, so I'm very much office desktop based, so I've got a quite sedentary job. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I'm currently um, working for a telecommunications company and mm. do work on one of their systems. So, yeah, it's okay. very much a just, yeah, it's very sedentary. So it's uh, not really kind of out and about a lot. Not okay, now. So, uh, anyway. I used to be, but not now. Okay. So, yeah, that was going to be my next question was like, does the job have any kind of like t- tie into the running or, or any kind of, have you managed to kind of, you know, incorporate running at work when you're there or anything like that? Not really. Because when, I mean, where I am now currently, um, even though they had showers, it would take me over an hour to get there, sometimes an hour and a half. Um, so by the time I got there in the morning, you know, I was getting yeah. there at maybe eight and then I'd want to leave maybe about four so I could get back in time for running. So mm. the key thing for me was to try not to go out when I was there because then it, I would need at least an hour at lunchtime. Um, okay. so yeah, it hasn't really worked for me from that point. There have been some places I've worked at where I have gone out for a run, but because I need, I'm, I've got such a full day, I'd rather kind of get in early and leave early to get home than to to then extend my day and have a an hour and a half out for lunch or something so yeah and no, I, I get that i get that um, did you actually work in like a big team of people have you, have you got like a um, large team it, it varies no I'm, I'm working in a um the team i've got at the minute is quite small i've got but i've worked in a mixture of large teams and small teams but i i mean again most people who i've worked with don't really run so okay. you know it's you know when when they hear about what you do they look at you as if you know why so um, if i had gone for a run anyway it would usually have been myself but, um, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Was like, do your do your team know about all your your running history and that we're going to cover in a bit, or uh, um, I guess they're not interested then. <laughs> some of them do. It depends on who I was working. It depends on how long I'd worked with people. But yeah, they would find it a bit bizarre if it was like, you know, I was like, oh, I was talking to someone. Oh yeah, I went out and did a ten mile run yesterday on the Sunday, and they they look at me as if, well, she's walking fine, and you know, what's what's going on? Why would she just do a ten mile run with you know, not for a medal or a t-shirt or anything? But yeah. But yeah, that's about my, it, really. My, my team at work just tell me to shut up now whenever I uh, start talking about running. So <laughs> they've, they've got me well trained now. So, <laughs> um, Joe, you, um, I, I see that you do um, park runs as well, because I've, I've bumped into you a few times um, yeah. at uh, Southsea Park Run and stuff. Is, is Southsea Park Run your, your local? It is, because it's literally about five minutes. So, yeah, I can wake up about eight o'clock and kind of quickly get down there. <laughs> so it's not a problem. Superb. I Although like I, I should I should do other ones, because obviously I should do more challenging ones, which I do want to do. But it is that temptation of, oh, I could just, you know, I could have another hour in bed kind of thing. Mm, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and often you kind of rock roll out of bed, because I, I live about, about six or seven minutes uh, run away from the start as well. And sometimes you kind of wake up so close to, to leaving the house and you just feel like rubbish when you go out. You're like, oh, how am I ever going to run Southsea Park Run? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, it is good to be so close, but obviously, but another advantage is you can be, you know, I could do, get up, do Park Run, I can be home by quarter to 10 and then my day can start. And I think that's what's really good about it as well. Yeah, that, that's true. Have you, have you done many um, uh, of the different Park Runs in the area? Because we're so um, fortunate to have so many close by. I haven't actually I don't think I've 
done I've, no I've done Lakeside that's the only one I've done nearby I never went I think I didn't do I haven't done QA or haven't um, and then the only other ones I've done are either when I've gone back to my parents up north or I've done somewhere I've been elsewhere like traveling okay. but yeah predominantly it's just been South Sea or Lakeside I've done once that's it cool so when you travel around the country your youngish your barcode goes with you then oh yeah I mean if I'm going somewhere where I think I'm going to be there on a Saturday I'll um I'll take my barcode I mean I even I even arranged a um when I went to San Francisco once a few years ago to make sure that I was in Chrissy Field which is San Francisco's park run to make sure I was there on the Saturday so I could actually do the park run before we headed somewhere else awesome that's great <laughs> I love that when kind of holiday plans uh travel a little bit around or, or mold themselves a little bit around park runs <laughs> yeah brilliant stuff um right Joe so um to start at the very um beginning and kind of start to draw some timeline as I always tr- try to do and uh, I know we'll probably veer off track here and there but um wh- where were you born because obviously I can pick up a bit of an accent and I'm not very good at the um, British accents being South African myself uh so yeah whereabouts did you grow up so I was born in Gated which is in the northeast of England so for most people who don't if they don't know where it is it's just south of Newcastle so I was just uh-huh. born um on the south side of Newcastle which is Gated so I was born up there um, yeah, and moved down here. Well, I moved down south 23 years ago, but moved to Portsmouth okay. probably about, uh, I was trying to work it out, probably about maybe 12 years ago, 11, 12 years ago. Okay, okay. I did actually have to look on the map, uh, sorry to say, um, to, to find out where Gated was. You just head um, north just before Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, yeah. I saw you got like, a, it's quite near the coast, but obviously not on the coast but you've got that nice little kind of like inlet of water that runs in a little bit as well so I guess you had a, a yeah that's, that's, river. that's the river. yeah that's the river Tyne so basically the if you look at the Great North Run when it runs over the bridge where the red where the red arrows always go above it so the Tyne Bridge ah, is ah. that when they run over the Tyne Bridge it takes you to the Gateshead side which you then run towards South Shield so yes so as soon as you come over the Tyne Bridge that's Gateshead that's that part. Brilliant there we go so I didn't even know the Great North Run was there so how's that there we go <laughs> there you go um, I'm already learning things here. <laughs> um, so, so Joe, uh, like running, um, and I know we exchanged a little bit of information um, before recording this and stuff, so I've, I've had a little bit of an idea of what it is, but really keen to dig into how running um, kind of became a part of your life early on, because you said that um, your grandparents used to take you to watch like a lot of international meets. Um, can yeah. you tell us a bit, bit more about, about that time in your so, life? So um, there was a lot more, um, at Gateshead Stadium used to do a lot of international uh, meets on in the summer um I think on Fridays they sometimes did them and they got a lot of the big stars over so I mean from like historical past you'd have Ed Moses who was a hurdler I think it was it John Walker who was a 10k runner and you would yeah. um, and you'd have the late the newer meets you know you'd get you know the Sally Gunnels Linford Christie's the Daily Thompson's all of those they would always have events there and my grandparents wow. didn't live far from there so they used to get uh, tickets and they used to take myself and my sister down and you could okay. just sit on the grass bank within there. You did, there wasn't any of the seats because there was only one one stand that had seats. And to be quite honest, it was shaded. So if it was sunny, you were always cold anyway. So we would sit out in the sun. And you would just sit and okay. watch watch the events. And the events would be maybe on a Friday night and sometimes on a Saturday. And you would just watch these athletes who come over um, to run them. And I, th- I think Brendan Foster was behind a lot of it. I think he because he was a gated harrier, he was local. Okay. He used to, I think, bring a lot of them over. And then I think they still have the odd meeting there now, but not too much because I think Birmingham seemed to take it over a lot. Okay, 
it, it sounds like very much because I've never I've never really been to like a big event like that. Like I, I didn't I missed all the Olympics um, in the stadiums and stuff. But but looking at it from from a TV side, it's always very you're you're back away from the actual track. So mm. I mean, if you've got if you've got a ticket high in the stands, you can't really see too much. Um, it sounds back then that it was just kind of like on the grass next to the track. Yeah, I mean, you were quite close. I mean, the stadium. The main the main stand wasn't that large anyway, but um yeah you always had a good view. But what you could do then is was because of like there was no restrictions. If you were younger, you could walk down to the front where the barriers were. So if any of the mm-hmm. athletes finished, and if you got to a certain point, say at the end where the where the finish is, some of the athletes used to wander down that way. And if you were if you were there and you were forceful enough, you know you could stick your your magazine over the side and get someone to autograph it when they you know when they walked past so you could get right down to the front so my my grandparents would just sit on the blanket on the on this on the side and I would then go down to the front and just watch close up fantastic that's so good did, did your did your grandparents run themselves? no no I mean I've, we might none of my family do and um, my grandparents okay. just really liked watching it but I think they knew that I enjoyed watching it as well so I think that's why they took me more but um I think my grandfather was active football, but not really anything major. But no, I was probably the only really sporty one in my family. Okay. So, it's, I, mean, so, so I mean, that time in your life's amazing because to see all those like big stars as a young kid, it must have like seriously inspired you. Like, to yeah. would you say you picked up um, a, a need or a want or a, or a love to run as a young child through that? Um, I don't know. I mean, it did. I did enjoy. It. I enjoyed watching the distance runners more. Um. I mean, I always remember wanting to run and I always remembered enjoy running. I mean, I used to have when where I lived, where my parents still live now, there used to be a little, they lived in a little quiet road where there was a, like what we would call the block. So you didn't have to cross any roads. And I would use that as my lap. So I would do one lap and I'd say that's 400. Then I'd do two laps and say that's, you know, 800. And I would always okay. do stuff like that. And my primary school teacher did a lot of running and he used to encourage us to go out as well. Um, so, I mean, I always kind of enjoyed it. Um, but I mean, and I, my parents always took me down to watch the Great North Run as well when that was on, because that was right, still quite a big event. So yeah, I always, you know, I was always kind of watching sport, either on the TV or or kind of just running around really. Okay, so so you used to do um like runs around your block then. How how old were you at that time? Um oh probably well because I because again times were different, roads were quieter. I probably. I don't know. I mean, I would be in under. I was probably in seven or eight because my parents. I would just start outside my house and run round, and I would do like Amazing. I'd practice a little sprint start because I'd seen that on the TV, and you know, I'd just do stuff like I would just be out running round all the time. Um, mm. and my, you know, my parents would just, you know, it was one of those things you just run round. You know what time it is to come in, and then you come in. Yeah, so. I, I feel like some sometimes like some of that some of that kind of stuff has been lost, hasn't it? Or, or sometimes mm. it does feel like it with all the. You know the tablets and the video games that the kids are playing these days and stuff, and it just sounds like you were you were out there, kind of free spirited, probably probably inspired by watching how the athletes, like you said, start their races, like in the yeah. blocks and stuff. You're, yeah. you're out there, kind of giving it a go, so yeah. dreaming dreaming of the running the running success <laughs> yeah. you were going to have. You yeah, had, yeah, you just wouldn't start on the blocks running 800 and all that, but yeah, I just thought you know I'd do that anyway. But yeah, no, I was just yeah, I just always remember being out and being out the house probably more than I was in it. Fantastic, fantastic. That's good. So, so obviously after some time and and kind of running running uh, for fun and doing around your block and uh, you know probably just trying to to mimic what the athletes do that you'd seen <laughs> seen racing, you you decided to join uh, Gateshead Harriers. Yep. And I think uh, you'd said that um, you know you'd seen your father speaking to somebody who had seen you do a school race or 
um, and kind of that the idea was was kind of planted in your head that you could join the club. How, how did that all how did that all come about? So there was I think years ago there was like the schools used to do I think it was Kodak the um the photographer they used to sponsor these little school races and there was a school race um not far from where I lived and it was on a grass track so it wasn't on a proper track it was just a marked out grass track and I think it was an 800. And I must have been maybe, I don't know, 10 or 11. And my dad took me up after school and it was in the summer and said, let's let's give it a go, you know, because I'd, I'd wanted to do it. And okay. um, I just turned and turned up and ran. And I remember a girl, she she was miles ahead, you know, she was very strong and she finished. And I, I don't know where I finished. I can't remember if I came last or whatever. But all I know is I finished. I finished and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And then my dad was talking to someone but you know I didn't really think much of it and then when we were coming away he would he asked me he says do you know who that was and I was like no and he was like you saw that's Stan Long and Stan Long used to be Brendan Foster's coach and also Charlie Speddings and he'd been talking to my dad and and he'd asked my dad if I was in a club because the girl who'd won it was actually in Gated Harriers and um my dad said no no she's thinking of joining but she isn't sure and he just went no he says if if she wants to do it, take her down there and, you know, get her signed up. So, Fantastic. yeah, I wanted to do it. Yeah. And I think that just helped my dad go, yeah, okay, if she wants to do it, then, you know, let's, let's get her down there. So then I joined Gated Harriers, I think when I was um, towards the end of my 12th year. So I was 12 when I joined, I joined in 87. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. That, that, that's, um, I obviously, you know, you'd sent me a bit, sent me the detail I mentioned earlier, and, you, and you'd, you'd said about um, Stan Long um, himself. But I, I, I often go and Google people's names and coaches and stuff. Obviously, he coached, he coached some pretty high-end um, athletes, uh, and I saw some really nice quotes um, about Stan Long. Obviously, he's since passed away, uh, but somebody had written that he, he devoted his life to athletics and must have coached about a thousand kids in his time. Yeah, that wouldn't have surprised me because he was always around. I mean, he wasn't, I, I was never coached by him, and but he was mm. always there at the club to coaching, you know, coaching his team. And yeah, yeah, he was there. I mean, I don't know how old he was when when I first met him, but yeah, he was, um, yeah, pretty pivotal for Gateshead, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing just how, how these how these these various coaches just around the country often, you know, not heard of or not spoken about, but they, they kind of devote devote their life to it, don't they? And um. I think somebody had somebody had also written that, that that Stan Long was was coaching right up until like a week before his death, which is quite amazing. But there's many of these people like around the country who are just like so pivotal in in you know starting off uh, you know runners' careers and and or, or the love for the running and you know they don't get forgotten about. They're obviously like remembered and stuff. But yeah, it's just just quite nice. I I, I liked all the quotes that I saw about him, so I had to mention it. No. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so obviously, you, so you've gone um, from running around the block to to like training with the club. And how did how did your running like progress and change uh, after you joined Gateshead Harriers? Um, it changed a lot because I um I joined I went into the middle distance group. I knew I knew I wanted to do middle distance. I didn't want to do sprints. I didn't want to do anything else. So I said I'll I'll go into middle distance. And can, you, can you just can you just mention what middle distance would be? So it was 800 meters, 1500 meters because of the age I was. Um, although some races could be 600 meters as well. Um, and then it would be you would do uh, cross country and road races in winter. Okay. And in those days there were a lot of road races. It was like I think what Debbie said on hers is that you know roads are so much quieter. So literally mm. most most weekend all clubs usually held a road race at some point. 
So if you think about local clubs and every winter they have a road race and it's all ability, it's all age groups, it's all, and they're all separate races. You know, you'll have a girls race, a boys race and a senior boys race and inter boys race and all that type yeah. of thing. Um, and that's what they had then. So that's what the winter, the winter season was for me. Okay. But okay. it changed um, quite dramatically because of the amount of training I eventually started to do. So, yeah. Yeah, but you, I mean, you still continue to enjoy it, and you, I guess, you were, you kind of found your your place with with your competitive spirit that you have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was a, it was a tough it was a tough group I was in. It was um already quite well established, and the girl who'd won the race when I my dad had met Stan Long, she was actually in the same group. So I then met okay. her, so found out that she was in the group um who we were running with, and um yeah, it was a there was some well established runners there, but there was a good there was a good set of girls my age so there was probably about four or five of us all the same age so that worked quite well great well you i mean your running must have come 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 along quite well but was there a lot of pressure like applied in those sessions or was it relatively i'm just curious to kind of hear how how the training you know such serious especially like really competitive training gets done with the children and did you feel any pressure to to perform and and get faster i think it was because I mean, it wasn't, it was probably, again, I probably put pressure on myself, but it was quite a, we were quite a competitive group. Um, mm. I mean, in the, I don't know what it was like down here, but in the Northeast, we had a lot of, um, a lot of clubs with similar girls in our age. And every race, we were competing for team prizes every race. So we would always want to try and get at least the top three team. And so would yeah. the other clubs. You had like Darlington Harriers, you had North Shields Polly, you had Bladen. You had, um, I don't know, Jaron Heaven. You had so many other clubs all together. Yeah. Um, but it was quite competitive because um, I think the a lot of the the coach, although he was um he was a really he was a really good coach. He was quite strict and he wanted people who wanted to work hard. He mm-hmm. he he had said several times, if you want to just come down and run for fun, this isn't the group for you. Oh, if you really, want to really, okay. if you want to run and you want to do well then keep in this group and at that time it's like yeah I want to run and I want to do well so it was tough at times but um mm. but it wasn't like he wasn't forcing you to go out and run miles and miles I mean it was we had structured training but it was yeah. it was tough training I like the honesty there it's just you know if you if, you, if you're going to be here we're going to work hard but it's but like you say it's going to be structured and, and and good training yeah fantastic can you actually remember any of the um the types of sessions that, that, that you would do back then yeah because we we didn't he didn't he wasn't a fan of us being on the track um purely because one it was busy but also it's quite hard on the legs so mm-hmm. um outside gateshead stadium there was what is a gra- there was a grassy area and you could when now they've made it into kind of another like sports center but there used to be quite a large hill but you could do yeah. quite big loops around it um I can't remember the distance, but what we would sometimes do is we'd meet in the track, then we'd head out there and we'd run up this hill. And this hill was probably about 400, 350 to 400 metres long, I would say. And it was quite steep. And he would give us hill sessions to the top of that. So some of them would be... So as the the session progressed, you might start steady. So you might run up one, then you'd run down a a big loop around. So you wouldn't just run straight down, you'd run, run around. And then you would maybe walk one, then you might lunge one. And then yeah. as the weeks progressed, he would then alternate them. So you'd run forwards on one and run backwards on one wow. right to the top. And then eventually, then you would run forwards on all of them. 
so it's amazing it's amazing that kids were doing these these hard, really hard sessions <laughs> yeah I mean the, the running backwards one was tough because I remember nearly at school my, my knee giving way from under me one day because my legs were so tired but um but but that I was that was very running backwards up a hill was so hard but yet yeah, was really good strength training for us so it actually worked quite well yeah so um, what's what's the terrain like where you, where you grew up? Is it like if you were out running around the, the streets and stuff around there? Is it is it have you got some some pretty big hills and stuff on yeah. Portsmouth? It, yeah, it depends where you live. But my parents live kind of near on the top of a hill, so if I wanted to go anywhere at a distance, I had to run down the hill. So and then Which run and then and then up. run back up. <laughs> so my end of my room always came back up. So um and yeah, I mean you had. We always had a hill near the stadium, so we could run on that. We then had hills on the roads we would run on. Um, if it was raining really badly, he would um, we'd run up and down the stairs of the stand because that was inside. So, yeah. you know, we always had something to kind of put the strength in into our legs. We didn't really do core sessions or weights. He kind of okay. kept us off that. We didn't do that till we were quite old because I think he wanted to make sure we didn't injure ourselves that way. But we did a okay. lot of strength tended to come through hill work. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you say, hill works good enough to to build strong legs, yeah. um, to help run on the flat. So, so it's all good. I'm mean, it's quite surprising. You said earlier that the the track um was was is harsh on the legs. Um, as somebody who has only run on a track once in my life, um, I found it like a little bit, almost like felt a little bit tiny bit spongy. So, I I would have assumed assumed the opposite, but but I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's quite hard going, but I, I I don't know how other people run, but I know when I run on a track, I run differently. So I run very much forefoot when I'm on the track. So I'm very much on the, you know, on the front of my foot. But when I'm doing road, I'm more heel. So I do okay. think you because of that, you're taking slightly different strides. And it's and also you're going around in, you know, the same the same route time. So, you know, you've got that, you know, your left leg is constantly probably putting the pressure on it if you're doing so much on track because, you know, you, you need to you know you're running up to the you're running around the bends all the time mm. but um we yeah, would do track yeah. predominantly in summer but yeah he, he but we did definitely do a varied program we didn't we didn't just stay on the track all the time okay um can you tell us a bit about some of the races that you did um as, as part of the the group there yeah i mean we did um you got us into a bit of everything so um the, we used to do a lot of open track meets so they used to be on like say wednesday night so we used to do a lot of track races and do 800s 15s to see our speed and he might get us to do a 200 or a 300 as a warm-up just to you know say how we were feeling yeah. um but the majority of races I always remember were the the road races and the cross countries that we used to do um mm-hmm. where we would just you know if they were local we would just head off there on a Sunday do a do a great road race and then you know get maybe get a team prize team prizes would not necessarily a trophy it could be like a pair of socks or a bag or something very bizarre like that and then and then come back yeah. and cross countries. Um, I did everything from local northeastern leagues to northerns, which um, obviously is everything from the north of England. And then I would sometimes represent, you know, do nationals as well, which could be down in Luton. So obviously traveling from the northeast of England to Luton or to Cheltenham was quite a hike. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, we did. We, I'd also done some indoors. You got us into, we used to have RAF Cosford. Um okay. They used to have an indoor meet in Kelvin Hall in Glasgow, and so I've run, I've run some indoor races there as well. Wow! So yeah, so, we, had a, we had a bit of everything. So a lot of your friends um, 
that you maybe saw who, who weren't runners and stuff must have been wondering what the heck you were doing every weekend because <laughs> it sounds like a lot of your time was spent um at, probably at meets and races and stuff yeah well most of the time because eventually because we used to train originally tuesday thursdays and then train maybe on a sunday but then our training changed to monday wednesday fridays and then wow. okay. we might if we raced a saturday if we had a good race on a saturday we didn't train sunday but if we had a bad race on a saturday we trained on a sunday and sometimes mm-hmm. if we were racing on a Sunday, we might do like a core session on a Saturday. So, yeah, basically yeah. my life was was running. I'd come in from school or, you know, have my have an early dinner and then literally I'd be down there till about eight, you know, go down for about half five and come back about eight o'clock. So. Awesome dedication, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Um, also, like racing is a racing when you're, I guess you're you're always effectively racing for yourself and your result. But when it when it when you're part of a team, mm. I guess that there'd be a little bit of added pressure not to let the team down. Did you did you ever feel a lot of that? Um, not really, because we we always had enough girls. Because normally most team prizes were three to count, and we did sometimes have four or five in our team. But the pressure came on as basically you had to beat your, you you ended up beating your peers. Um, mm-hmm. because obviously, you know, if it, if they came to a, a head, I mean, I think I remember one race, I think, I think I got third in a race and I, I basically got it, pipped, pipped my friend on the post. It was fourth. So okay. it get you know, it got that competitive because even though we were a team in some respects, we also were individually going to be, you know, trying to get what we wanted to try and get. Okay. But, um, no, there was no, there was, there was some pressure if we went into a race where we, we were, you know, we were, we were good favorites to maybe win the team prize um and i mean when we did once at one of the northern cross countries um we won the team prize for the i think the intergirls and i think we were the first female team for gator to actually have done that so um yeah have you got a lot of these medals and 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 trophies at home still yeah the trophies i've the trophies i've got they're in they're in storage and the medals i've got i've actually the medals i've got here and there's some really i think my favorite medal is my inter-counties third team prize which we came all the way down to luton to do and that was i think i think it's one of the nicest medals i've got um Brilliant. yeah but i've got a, i've got a rave a lot of t-shirts a lot of socks things like that that's tend to be what they give us team prizes years ago I wish people would do that these days. I wish we'd get more socks as uh, winning prizes because running socks are actually quite useful. Yeah, no, they were. I mean, yeah, you, you got socks and T-shirts. Yeah, and then yeah, and then I've had some very bizarre prizes from from races when I used to do stuff. But yeah, but um, very rarely trophies. I mean, you like a trophy, but it, yeah, it, you don't. You, we didn't get many of those. Mm, okay, and and uh, there was there was something you sent me uh, the other day which I, I found really interesting, and that was. You get you get other advantages being being a junior runner in a in a running club as well, especially gated, because you got to help out at some of the yeah. international meets. Yeah. So yeah. So you basically, if um, so if you ever see like on the TV when they have international meets, they'll sometimes have young people who've got the like the crates that all the athletes put their kit in, and then mm-hmm. then obviously that goes down to the finish. So basically, if you were a gated harrier and you were under a certain age, you could you got put picked out so you could do that. So I ended up getting into a few meets, which were great because you were on the side of where the athletes were. So, nice. um, and I, um, one of the ones I remember, I didn't get her basket, but I think to do on height as well, as if you were a certain height, you got the K lanes, you would get like four, five and six. But if I think you were taller or shorter, you'd get the end lanes. So because okay. I was quite short at the time, I got like seven or eight. So you didn't always get the the, the main athlete. But um, yeah, it was great. You just, you know, you stood there you collected that stuff you took it down to the finish and then you collected another basket and 
but it got you behind the scenes. It got you That's to be up and close with them. And also you got a bit more priority to get their autographs. And I do remember getting Florence Griffiths Joyner's autograph when she did appear at Gated Stadium. We caught her <laughs> in the, um, she was in the um, corridors when we were in between changing stuff and we saw her and we just said, can we get your autograph? Because those were the days before selfies, you know, you didn't have a mobile. And yeah, yeah. And she, she gave everybody an autograph and she was really nice. And it was, a, you know, and I think that was before she went on to win the Olympics. That's amazing. And um, that was another thing I had to Google from your information you sent. And that was the fact that you'd said that um, about her nails. She had oh, really God, long yeah. nails. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, her nails just literally, I don't, I don't know one, how she could be a sprinter, how she could start. And two, I mean, I, when we watching her sign the autographs, we couldn't understand how she could even hold a pen. So, yeah, but it was, um, yeah, her nails were unbelievable. Yeah, I saw some close-ups, and I think she had, like, painted some American flags or something on her nails yes. at one point. But they, were, they were gigantic. They were, like, proper talons. Yeah, they were. And they, they weren't false. I think they wore her nails. Very bizarre, but, yeah. Did, did, did the athletes ever say anything to you guys, or were they, were they often quite relaxed, laughing, joking, or um, did they give any tips or anything? No, they just, some of them were all right. Some of them were quite serious. Um, they never really, they didn't really talk, but I think it was because we were told not to talk to them as oh, well right, yeah. yeah but but afterwards you know they were quite relaxed some of them would thank you some some guys would get some of the you know the runners kits which you know at the time was like oh brilliant I've got his kit and then you're like yeah but it needs to be washed you know that kind of thing but um no it was um it was just nice to be part of it um and you know the fact you're on the other side so you're with them that was really mm-hmm. nice great opportunity I think it's fantastic and again it's just like so motivating and kind of goes hand in hand with your own training and seeing these athletes close by inspires you to train harder it's um yeah it was, it's really good it's great that you got that opportunity yeah um so there was an interesting race i wanted to ask you about that, that you told me about as well and that was the there was a, a, a race called the lamplight five miler yeah so basically i am um, i didn't do my first five mile till probably i was about 18 i think and that was um again because of I think what Emma was saying when you're certain age groups you don't do long distances we didn't do we didn't do we only did the distances we were racing to we never did any extra races Mm. um and there was something on a I think a Wednesday night and it was like around an industrial estate and because I was getting older my coach was like oh you know it might be good for you to start doing some some longer stuff because he he thought I would be better at the longer stuff with a slower pace a more steady pace and an 800 which is pretty hard going and he um we did something called the lamplight and it, you literally it was the first time I would have raced with a mixed a mixed run so I would have been running with men and women whereas normally I was always running with people my age okay and and obviously and just female so I'm just running with the same sex so this was an open event so it was the first time I'd ever done something like that and you ran around just this industrial estate block I can't remember how much for about five miles and then when you finished the guy basically I think had this tub of like old trophies and old t-shirts and you literally just he was like oh here you go here's your your third and you would just dig into the box yeah that'll fit you and then throws you a t-shirt and basically you've got (laughs) I can't remember what else but I got this t-shirt of some event I'd never heard of I think I might have got rid of it I I don't know if I have I'd have to check with my parents but yeah you just got this t-shirt and that was your prize and like people were getting trophies for nothing to do with running you know it was just really good it was uh, so I think that's so brilliant uh, you know especially these days with like you know a lot of runners wanting you know races not to offer t-shirts and stuff I just think that's great that somebody had kind of found a way to 
to i guess reuse all their old kits and stuff yeah yeah and they're all trophies they didn't want so people were walking out with weird trophies and things like that but it was just but that's how it was known and um it was it was a really good race so i ended up i ended up doing that quite a few times the the lamp lighter my dad would drive me down and i would do that wow so 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 we've kind of like i guess in the in the back to the timeline and stuff we've hit a point now you're you're 18 and and you're obviously running really well and competing well you've you've got loads of experience on the track and cross country and stuff I guess um you you carried on running at this point did you you were still kind of training yeah uh, I was was, yeah I was still training because I was a so I I was a college I was still doing um I was still gated so I was still doing a lot I probably was doing starting to do a lot more longer stuff so I was doing I think that's when I'd obviously started doing more five miles and I'd started to do 10ks yeah um but still keeping on to track as well if i needed to um but track i never liked i i mean it's i I don't think yeah it, there's nowhere to hide on track basically you are visible all the way whereas at least with a, a cross country or road race you know you, you there's options where you can you you seem to just be able to disappear into your own pace um, okay okay so so i guess like what, what you what you say there is like um you know you when you're on the track you know that there's at least a x amount of portion of the crowd or whoever's there watching you because you're not around a corner or anything your 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 eyes are on you all the time yeah and tracks very much kind of it's it's you know it's always a fast pace it's just a fast pace sometimes Mm -hmm. getting faster or slower depending on how you're feeling whereas with you know road and cross country depending on the terrain and depending on the course you've got a chance to you know maybe take this bit steady because you know there's a big hill coming up and then once you've got over the hill then just go for it kind of thing um but yeah so and I think that's why I preferred the longer different events really okay interesting so uh after college you Mm. went to London to study so obviously you've now left left home I guess living on your own for the first time and uh yeah so well so uh, what happened, yeah I was at college and then I went to university still in the northeast and then I think it was okay. my start of my second year um my second year of university I um I gave up running basically at that point um okay I decided I just realized I didn't have the dedication and the focus that I needed to put into it into the group that I was with and I just I just thought it was easier for me to be honest with my coach and go, I'm not going to waste your time because he would he was traveling up from Middlesbrough as well. So he was traveling up quite a bit. OK. And I just said, I, I don't really want to. I can't focus on it at the minute. I can't concentrate on the minute. I'm not giving you 100 percent. and It's not fair on you. It's not fair on me. And I just okay. said, I just need to take a bit of a, a backseat. So I then I think did another year at university and then I moved to London for a year um as part of my right. my course and then that but that was it really from from then on I then came back down south after my university course okay and I have to add add here that um when when you say that you took a break from from running it was literally a, a gigantic gap a 15 <laughs> yeah, year I, gap from 15 running years, <laughs> yeah I think I worked it out I um I did I you know I my work my work at the time didn't allow me. I, I worked in London. I lived outside of where I work. So I was commuting in over an hour and a half on the train. Um, mm. Those were the days where there weren't as many running clubs and as gyms as they are now. Um, but also, um, I didn't really have an inclination to run. I think it's because I hadn't really, I'd been such focused on running. I hadn't really got out and kind of 
lived my teenage life if that kind of makes sense yeah I, I um, get that yeah and then I moved to London it was like oh I'm on my own now now I can do this and that kind of was now this is my was my teenage side now starting to live mm. um and so yeah I am um, I yeah this circumstance wouldn't allow it because I my office job wasn't and I wasn't in the same office nine till five I might be on a different site I could be in another part of the country um I might not you know if I I worked it out if I joined a club in London I wouldn't get home till nine or ten at night um yeah. and obviously at weekends I'd have to be in London if I got a club near where I lived my club nights would start at six and I didn't finish the office till half five in London there was no way That's I was going to get hard. home six. Yeah. and so it kind of just you know happened to take its time where I took a break um I did go out for the odd run to see what it was like and you know mentally went out at the pace I would have when I was 18 but physically <laughs> actually you know got around the corner and you know lungs were burning legs were burning thought my head was going to explode and then you know <laughs> yeah. I, I I then get home and I'm like oh yeah that must have been about three miles and then I look at the I think I looked at my, my run because I didn't have a watch then I was like oh that was only a mile so, <laughs> so oh, basically you realize how unfit I actually was but yeah so all in all I would say yeah, apart from that odd bit of trying of running, yeah, probably 15 years gap I took. Yeah. Do, do you think looking back that maybe, you know, as, as good as the memories were and as great as the training was and you were doing what you wanted to do, like maybe there was uh, there was maybe too much of, of it when you were younger? And do you think, do you think um, maybe that played a little bit of a no, factor? No, I think the problem is was I got frustrated with myself. My confidence was my biggest issue. Um, okay. I would, I would my, my coach got very frustrated with this. So in training, I would be... I would be up there with my peers and some of my peers were already representing England at school level. So I knew I could keep up with them in training, mm. but what would happen is I would just stand on the start line and I'd look at who was in the race and I'd go, oh, she's faster than me. She's faster than me. She's faster than me. And I would just talk myself out of it. Wow. That's, that's, that's interesting. In, that's in, really interesting psychology there. Yeah. Yeah. And my adrenaline would then get too worked up because I was too nervous and literally I would then, you know, I, I just would be shattered before I'd even started. Um, but um, I also, because of confidence, that was a big thing. And weirdly, my coach had told me before I said I was going to leave that in my mid-20s, I probably would have made it better because I would have been more confident. Wow. And I do okay. think in hindsight, if I'd been more confident before I'd left, I might have done better than I had done. Um but obviously when I left and I grew confidence I wasn't running anymore so it does make me wonder if I had stuck it out but I know I know now it was the right time for me to leave because I think when you really love something and then you stop loving it if you force it you end up hating it and I just didn't want to end up hating running and I knew it was the right time for me to leave and it it, to be honest I think that it was the best thing for me to do especially now the fact I'm back into it again Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, looking back, you know, with the what ifs and what ifs, it's it's dangerous to kind of go down that route, isn't it? I mean, we will make the decisions we make with the information that we have at the time. And, you know, I guess there's always what ifs with um, with every decision we make. But that sounds like it was the right decision at the time for you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But but Joe, for 15 years, well, (laughs) I I can't I can't go a day without it. Yeah, I think. So, well, yeah, I think. I don't. Yeah, when I I didn't think it was that long, and I looked back and I'm like, yeah, it's probably about fifteen years. Mm, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't. I don't admit this much, but I, I haven't actually been out running today. So today's been a very, very <laughs> odd day for me. So just been just been too busy with work and 
and had a half day with doing some chores and stuff. So, yeah, um, but I'll make up for it tomorrow, I'm sure. <laughs> so, so completely, um, so, so 15 year gap. Um, and I believe in 2007, you moved to Portsmouth. Yeah, so I, moved, I think it was, yeah, I think it was late 2007, I moved down. Um, and I did actually do the Great South Run. I, I, I was mm. looking through all my, um, my stuff and I, Great South Run was my first run probably back um, in anger. Um, okay now you found the three miles hard how did you find the 10 miles off the back <laughs> well i'd started going out for a few runs so i'd started to try and go right i need to be a bit more sensible cool. with this so so where i used to live i used to live currently i used to live in a place called aldermaston which was near the kennet naven canal and so i used to run along the canal and, and around so i started to pick up some mileage because i knew i was going to have to be sensible with this mm-hmm. and um i don't think i i don't think i'd run any further than seven miles again i didn't have a watch um, so all I could use was map my run to work out roughly how far I'd ran. And then I used um, the time I arrived home and the time I'd left to work out roughly how long I'd been. OK, so um, so that was my training. It was just basically going out for runs. I wasn't doing any sessions. I hadn't joined a club because, again, work time wouldn't allow it. Um, so, yeah. And then I came down and I did the Great South Run in 2007 and remember it being raining, cold and blowing an absolute gale along the seafront. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, do you know, I think that was the first one I did, or maybe the second or th- second or third one that I did, yeah. um, 2007. But, yeah, so I'm, I may have, we, we may have brushed shoulders at some point. <laughs> yes, possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I might have been the one swearing down the last two miles. <laughs> Actually, thinking about it, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So, um, and then... So after after doing that, um, you joined Portsmouth Joggers. So I think with, you said within about two years of, of coming back down to Portsmouth. So you'd obviously decided you wanted to give the the club thing and it fitted fitted your schedule and stuff. Or did you meet somebody who who, who hinted towards Portsmouth, was, Portsmouth Joggers? I was working down here and my job, um, even though my I was living down here now, my my because my job used to be in Fareham and then I moved down here and then my job moved back to London. But I could work more. I could work remotely. Um, uh, right. I think I just started to realize I started to miss running again and okay. it started to you know there was something still obviously there in me going mm, yeah okay and I and I just started to think actually I want to start doing this again and the great south had given me that drive and I think doing that helped me work out whether I did want to run or not mm. and um, I, I then it took me a while because I did the great south run again the following year and, and got a faster time so I was like oh okay so this is you know this is doable but weirdly, I was very worried about joining a club because I didn't think I'd be fast enough. Really? Okay. So that's, I was your, like, that's, your, that's your experience with the fast clubs again yeah. coming coming through. And I was like, I'm not going to be fit enough to join a club because I, I, you know, I'd obviously come from such a, a competitive club to thinking, yeah. oh, well, that's how every club will be. Because Gated Harriers wasn't really what, you know, they're Harriers and Athletics, you know, they weren't running clubs that just met up. And, and stuff you know they had an athletic section and that's I think made the competition a lot tougher and um I was worried about not being fit enough and not being fast enough so I mulled that over for quite a while and then um my partner at the time then turned around and went just join it you'll be fine just give it a go and yeah. then um, I joined in 2009 yeah and then never looked never looked back from then and it wasn't as it wasn't as um fast or scary or uh, or hardcore as you thought it was going to yeah, be because um, they're such a friendly club. Yeah, I got put in with them. Um, I think it was Pete Dix. I got put in with his group because I didn't know what my pace was because again I didn't have any devices then. I just you know I knew rough. I just said what I'd run for the Great South, 
and yeah. they went oh we'll try with this group and I went in with the group and it was fine but I and I ran fine and then the following week I think I then changed groups because I realized that group although it was a really nice group and they were really friendly it was it, it wasn't my pace it was too slow so I think I then okay. moved up into another group and then yeah, at some I mean, point during that way that's how I would have met Katie Carew and, and Dell on the way of doing going up into the groups Ah, okay. So, okay. So there's here's here come here comes some kind of linkage be, mm. uh, between other guests and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Um. Yeah. I, I remember. Yeah. I, I've said it before on the show. You know, joint going to um over to Portsmouth Joggers and seeing all the all the various clubs around the area. They're just always so friendly and always so welcoming. It's it really is good. Um. So so was the club quite big when you arrived there? Was it were there quite a few? Because I know it is now, and there's quite a few options for different groups that you can go and run in and stuff. Was it the same back then? Yeah, there was. There was. Um, I can't remember. I think. I think I went into Nick Bryan's group. Um, because he. So there was the various groups of paces. I think. No, I know Tony Conway had a group, but I think his group was was a little bit too fast for me. Um, but I think I went with Nick Bryan and his group. So like, did averages of eight to eight and a halfs, and then so I went in with them. And then as things progressed, depending on marathon training, I then went into. Um, I think Dale mentioned him, Chris Breyer. Chris Breyer did marathon training groups, and then I ended up going yep. into his group when I started to do more marathons. So I was focusing on that. Okay, brilliant. So you settled in nicely there and um, you obviously did a few races with him. Did you do any um, cross country for the joggers? Um, yeah, I did the, what was called the, well, it was not, it's not now, it's called the, it was called the Today's Runner. So there were the cross countries you would do on a, on a Sunday. Um, and they were like a, like a little league. Um, and then I did maybe some of the cross countries that they had, such as um, I think the Postal Joggers did like, their summer cross country but I didn't do they weren't they weren't the cross country types I was used to so I mean I was used to doing like the counties and the nationals and into counties and things but um I didn't do I didn't do those ones because like although postal joggers could do it they didn't really do the nationals or the or the, okay. inter, or the or the counties although we did do it once Katie got a few of us entered but we didn't have a women's team we just did it because she'd remember doing it when she was at school I remember okay. doing it. We just thought, oh, it'd be nice to do one. So we did one. Cool. Brilliant. I did probably and road races more than anything, really. Okay. Brilliant. So, so I guess the cross country was a little bit, little bit, little bit less stressful and just maybe more, more kind of, I guess, not fun. They're, they're never fun, are they? Or well, they are afterwards. Um, but... <laughs> they are. Afterwards. I mean, but you, you need a good, I mean, you need a good cross country course. I mean, I've, I've done some really good, cool cross country courses that involved even jumping a fence with 400 meters to go. So, I mean, uh-huh. it's, yeah. Um, yeah, I've done quite a good good selection of them. But yeah, I do like a good cross-country course. I don't like fake cross-country courses. I don't like them at all. I'll tell you what, some of those cross-country courses, they're, they're, they, they're remarkable because they've they've started releasing a lot of videos on YouTube where people have kind of recording, you know, all the Parliament Hill races and mm. stuff. And some some of the conditions are just mm-hmm. unbelievable. I mean, I can't, I just can't understand how they're how people are staying up on their feet. Well, a lot of the time they don't. But I guess the yeah. the, the spikes on the on the shoes must really support um, and, and stabilize you a bit. Yes, no. I mean, I've done. I, I, they don't always. I remember when I was a young youngster running um Gator just outside there was a pre, something called the Presto Cross Country, and I remember a girl sliding past me on a downward hill on her backside. Oh. And literally, where she's gone from the top to the bottom. She she'd lost footing, gone straight down. Um, yeah, cross countries where you have to run over brooks and through rivers, but yeah, it, it, the spikes don't always—they might hold you up a little bit, but they don't hold you up that much, especially if you're a heel striker because there's no spikes in the heel. Right. Okay. So, yeah, um, and a lot of people don't wear spikes because again, they've got no cushioning or support. 
so fell you know fell shoes tend to work better but yeah no in some cross countries you're you're battling and but a proper cross country is hilly muddy tough that to me is a proper cross country a one that is you you know your 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 chest is aching by you know getting yourself around there so sounds absolutely awesome I mean, when i when i do my own running i often kind of get inspired from watching these youtube videos and although mm. i've never run across an actual cross-country race um if i'm at work and i want to and it's pouring with rain and it has been for a couple of days i sometimes just go off on my own and just do the um, what we call the um there's a, there's a route called compton um i've got loads of strava posts with compton on it but it goes over some fields and i just absolutely kind of feel like i'm just one of those participants in those videos i've seen and i splash through every puddle um i even sometimes just you know put my, put your hands in the mud or something it's just something really nice and uh i don't know refreshing about it all yeah if you ever get the chance to run one if it's, i think emma mentioned it with them parliament hill that is a killer but it is a very it's a hard cross-country course but it's to me it's a proper cross-country course uh, I, I think they'd probably be packed up and gone home by the time i got to the end because <laughs> <laughs> you watch some of those races and they're just absolutely oh they're so fast those guys and girls they're, they're amazing mm. um okay so 2010 you ran your first marathon which, which one was it so that was um it was in stratford Ponavon. it was the shakespeare marathon i think that was the same one i think dell said he did yes and i've i've had some other friends run that too and they said it's really good as well yeah so i didn't get into london i think I, it was the usual thing applied for london uh didn't get in it and yeah. so and then people had mentioned at the time i wasn't really familiar with all the marathons and someone said oh this one in stratford Ponavon." And I thought, mm-hmm. well, that would be nice because it'd be a nice weekend as well. It's not far to go, and it's two laps. So yes, yeah, so that was my that was my first one, 2010. How did it go? Was it was was it, it all good? Had you had yeah. you done the training with the joggers? Yeah, I'd um I I'd, I'd started. I hadn't really done any long runs um with the joggers. I think I I just kind of decided to do it, and I started in the in the January with the marathon training plan that they had, mm-hmm. and just was doing that every weekend and doing the the midweek runs and no it okay. went fine it was actually I didn't hit the wall and I have hit the wall in a marathon but I didn't hit the wall in that one um it is, it is hard because you you've got the two lap and at the end of the first lap you could make that decision to go in and do the half yeah and you've, you've mentally got to go no no I'm, I'm here for the marathon I'm going to go off and I'm going to do the next lap and then you have to like, force yourself to run past that that point to so you know you, you yeah. don't go back to it that's interesting you didn't hit the wall because um yeah i've often found speaking to people that first marathon experience can normally be quite a quite a challenge but had you done any long as long as the marathon training runs beforehand um we'd done i think we'd done i think i'd done some the meon plod the meon valley plod which i don't know if you've heard of was something the post with joggers used to run and that was always awful because of conditions and it was 21, 22-ish miles of just mud and hills. And we used to go out on that purely for time on feet, time on legs. Mm-hmm. It wasn't to do with yeah. the distance. It was to do with that because you were going to be out there probably maybe five to five and a half hours plus. So it was making sure, you know, your legs were used to it. And I think I'd done then, I'd probably done the Bramley 20 as well because that was usually part of the plan. And yeah. um We'd probably done a long marathon training run of maybe 22 or 23 miles. So psychologically, you knew you could do it. It was just obviously then doing it with other people. Yeah, you were very well prepared then. And like you say, time on feet is always is always interesting because a lot of people just kind of speak in mileage terms. Like, well, I've done I've done 18, I've done 17, I've done 16. But yeah, if you've done the time on feet, it can count for a lot. So obviously, you did your training went very very well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, in 2014, Joe, you left left Portsmouth Joggers. Um, you joined Portsmouth Athletics. Yes, went back to an athletics now, club. <laughs> now, yeah, so so I'm kind of like thinking now. You you've got into this routine where you're you're running with the joggers and everything's going great and you're enjoying your running and there's there's less racing and stuff. Um, Portsmouth Athletics, it, it might not be, but just my own viewpoint, viewpoint sounds like they have a lot more maybe track-based stuff, a lot more focused on the speed and, and obviously results and things. Was that your aim when you joined them? Yeah, it was more for it was more to do to see what the track was going to be like because they have a Veterans League track and it was like, okay, so let's just see what the track's going to be like again just to, because obviously because the joggers and the AC have two set, they're, they're in two separate focuses. So I think, you know, there's different leagues they're in. Um, yeah. So the athletics do have a lot more track leagues. So I thought, let's do a bit of track. And also they do, they always do the counties and the nationals. Um, and I kind of wanted to kind of do that a bit more. And obviously, um, in terms of people running, they had a team as well. So there was usually, there was women already there in our age group. So we could then try and get a team together for the counties or get it for the nationals. Because for the nationals, wow. I think you needed a team of six or four. I think okay. it was four or five to, or, you know, for, for a team prize. So you need at least four or five women to do with the nationals to get a team, to get a team place anyway. Okay. Wow. So, so, so training definitely ramped up and stuff. Going joining Portsmouth Athletics. Um, it just it cha- it didn't really change. I went with um, a guy called Dave Fudge, and he we just it was a, just a different set of training. So the training wasn't as you would you wouldn't do as many just runs going out where you would just go for a run. It was more um, mm-hmm. um, speed and kind of laps and fartlekking and track stuff. So it was a lot more kind of yeah speed based, but you would do your longer runs pretty much on your own. But there wasn't okay. any like long marathon run groups so because i was still doing marathons at that point if you wanted to do a long run you had to you had to do your long run on your own so that's the one thing that they don't really they they have people who do marathons but there isn't really a wasn't really a marathon group okay yeah i I, I get that yeah okay and 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 what's what's the steeplechase race like (laughs) it's Um, just it it fascinates me it's just seeing yeah I'm, I'm, i'm just sorry just curious to hear about like that that jump that they do in it i mean yeah, so i just women, have no idea why it's there slight, it's slightly lower than the men thankfully because if it wasn't there's no way you'd get over it so the there was always a southern athletics league and that was that could be all over in the south and for the women's team it's always very hard to get everybody to fill every event purely because of you know as everybody knows that the the end of the teenage years for women are always really hard because of exams or the the commitments so women tend to dwindle off a lot in, in sport and um they wanted to um they needed they didn't have they had a gap in the steeplechase and i always fancied doing it and i remember years ago my coach when i was a kid said i would be good at it if they'd brought it out but it didn't exist at that point and i thought well, well yeah. i'll give it a go and oh right it's um it's hard going because you <laughs> because you're having to go and then you have to the water jump and obviously you hit the water jump and you see everybody on the TV, you know, and their foot glides and the one foot touches the water and they're out. Yep. And then you get on there and you just literally just drop into the deepest part of it, come up soaking wet and then just plow on. Um, wow. And it, it was fun, but it was very hard. It was such an energy sapping race because not only are you then tired because you're, you're on track, you're wet and you're then having to jump over, I think, was it two and a half foot high barrier? You're then having to jump over a barrier mm. and you're having to do that maybe for 1500 meters or 2000 meters, depending on the race. So, you know, that's after a while, you know, you 
you are but you it's fun because you're on you're on the start line of these southern athletic leagues and you've got you've got the people who are they're the, they're the, they're the experts this is their event yeah and they're 20 years younger than you so you're like oh, well you could already be my daughter <laughs> kind of thing. and then you look around and you're there and you're talking you see someone who's kind of going oh i'm only doing this for the points and you're like well i am as well and you realize so, actually there's a half there's a few of you actually all in this together where you've never done it before but you're here to get a point for your club because a point can make quite a big difference fantastic. and yeah and then you run and everybody you know you know and you see people sprint off and then you see them hit the first water hurdle and some of them literally which would be disqualification and a proper meet but you know people ensigns were sitting on the barrier and then dropping down into the water oh, where, you really? know, yeah you're not supposed to touch it with your hands yeah i mean it gets to that level but you know you know that wasn't going to compete for first but yeah so that's what i that's what i did and then so, so- yeah can I just ask with the steeplechase um because I, I obviously watched I've watched a few videos of people going around it's it's around the track but the the actual jump and stuff is just off the actual main track is it yeah well the water one is yes yeah. so the water one you either depending on the event on the track you either come just in or they the, the, the take you wide and that's for the water so you've got the barriers in between which are they're fixed barriers so if you do mm-hmm. hit them you hit them you don't you, it won't move you will you'll, you're the one who's going to go down and the water yeah. one is yeah always on the inside and that's okay. one that just saps you a bit more because of the the angle but it's still does it still equate to like a 400 meter exact round yes, track yes because depending okay. on the start they move the start accordingly so um if you're doing say a 1500 steeplechase you won't start at the normal 1500 meter point they'll start you either slightly behind or before so it accommodates for the 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 the, the offset of where the the jump is Gotcha. Okay. Well, fascinating. I'd, I'd love to just go around and just do one lap just to see how how that saps the legs that jump. Yeah, I mean for the men, if you go up to the height of the barrier, it's it's high. Yeah, it's yeah, it is. Yeah, it is pretty hard going. So you are you still with Portsmouth Athletics? I am. So I'm, I haven't really done much with them last year because I have been off for a bit. But um, I'm Portsmouth Athletics um, first claim, and Good Gym have a race team as well, which are UK. UK affiliated, I can't get the word out, and I'm with them for second claim. Okay, brilliant. So, so how, I mean, the good gym stuff, I guess it's, uh, is there a set amount of races you go to or um, or how, how does that work? It's it's however you want to do it. So you can join their race team. Some people just join their race team so that they can get, you know, slight discounts on races. Um, but also good gym also do, they, I think they call it the big six. They do a, they try and advertise the big six races to get a lot of other good gymmers there um okay. compete and i did we did one a lot of us went down to bristol and bath last year to do the two tunnels which is actually good fun oh right lovely that that's the two tunnels marathon yeah yeah there's a marathon and then there were yeah. they did a challenge that we did a i think um there was a relay so the portsmouth um a lot of five of us from portsmouth did the team for a relay so it was a 10k leg each Brilliant. um or you could do okay. 5k or a half yeah so we did that it was really good so the good the good gym race teams are they put together for each of the good gyms or is it all good gyms it's together? All good gyms together. So oh, okay. um, so basically yeah um you you can just join I mean you could people can run in their good gym t-shirt it's not a problem but you can join the race team so you can be you know affiliated um brilliant and then you can if you join the race team you get a vest and it's yeah and it's they they do put a lot of races on and to be honest most race most big races they're there I mean I did the Vitality half a few weeks ago That's and there was a load of good, load of good gymmers 
Yeah, I guess I guess because like the the weekly tasks are are designed around you know a, a, a bit of exercise, like not too not over not overwhelming exercise, mm. so that more people can join in. But that's good that they've got the option to to actually go and race other events and distances and stuff as good gym. So I, yeah. I find that that's, that's really really brilliant. Good. So a few of them come down and do the Great South as well. So yeah. Mm. Excellent. I'm, I'm interested to hear, Joe, when you're not running and, and training, like like what other hobbies do you do? You do? nothing really um hobbies I don't I don't know I'll be honest I'm I'm in the minute of buying a house which needs a lot of work doing so all my time at the minute is um DIYing so I'm doing a lot of core workout with um lifting packs of you know concrete and adhesive and tiles and everything like at the moment but um no I don't really have any hobbies just I'll be honest my life my life is pretty simple it's work running good gym um yeah that's it really but uh, I'll, so I'll, what, I'll join it that's good joe but you know diy counts as training as well yeah i think my press-ups have improved because uh, the amount of stuff i've been lifting so that's you know carrying my uh, 10 liter tubs of paint around yeah, <laughs> good luck with all that joe. good Thanks. good luck with all the diy <laughs> and um and just to kind of like i guess start closing off the um the future for your for your running uh, is obviously obviously bright because you're um you're looking at perhaps maybe one day trying your first ultra yeah i would i would like i think the i would like to do one it depends if my legs can deal with it um i i, I i'm up to i'm up to seven marathons i'd like to make 10 so i'd like to get 10 a nice round number if i can do that sure, and, good milestone, um, yeah. and the ultra i've seen and i'd like to do is the one starting in um cumbria so it's hadrian's wall it's the race the wall so you okay, start yep. you run Hadrian's Wall and you finish in Newcastle and the reason is again it's because it's you know it's finishing near my my hometown so and Brilliant. I just thought that'd be a nice one to do but again it's it's physically whether I my legs will allow me to do it that's probably that's probably but yeah future wise I'm enjoying it now I'm not putting any pressure on myself I've yeah. I've run my best 5k in four years last year so it's to me it's um uh, yeah I've just decided not to worry about it so much now and it seems to run even better than it was fantastic go and tell us what the time was Joe for the 5k um, I, I got 22.08 it, it took me about four years to get under 23 minutes and I finally got under 23 minutes Woohoo, well, well this, I, I've, I've written off my um, my pbs since when I restarted running because I was I, I, it's pointless looking at my pbs when I was a teenager because there's no way I'm anywhere near them now so did you um so so obviously running running as a teen you did 5k's you were a lot quicker were you back then um yeah that, yeah I, I made it up my times my 5k when I was about 16 was 19 and a half wow okay and I think my five miler was 32 minutes and my 10k was 42 minutes so yes I'm not really anywhere near that <laughs> but yeah that's what I was running when I was younger there's there's time joe there's time <laughs> you're gonna get it back that's that that's fantastic i mean that that hadrian's wall race sounds sounds brilliant and the fact that you end in newcastle will be brilliant and honestly don't get put off by by the ultra training or the or the distances because the, the training itself is not too much unlike marathon training really there's a there's a, obviously a little bit more mileage involved and and other things to think about like nutrition but it's um it's a fantastic uh goal i think to have and you sh- i think you should definitely give it a go yeah yeah i am tempted yeah i think it's and i do prefer the trails now because it's a lot more relaxed so oh yeah it's beautiful yeah. lovely just a kind of like uh, as I say a long a long eating buffet is one of my friends <laughs> yeah so joe um, as you know on the the um interviews i like to finish off with um a few recovery run questions 
Uh, these are these are quick quick fire questions, so yeah, quick answers, um, and we'll we'll shoot straight into them. Do you have a favourite uh, place or spot that you'd like to visit in Portsmouth? Oh, I do like to just go down to the seafront. I think that's just for anything. It's just good to just switch off and go down there. Yeah, do you, like just for a walk, or like, have you got a particular spot you like, like a particular bench or uh, or, or place no, along the front? I, I kind of always like to walk, probably between Canoe Lake and probably the pyramids. That bit, I just it just okay. just the, here in the sea, raw, and is is a good way if anything's bothering you just to get it out of your system. We are so lucky. We are so lucky. <laughs> um, what running shoes are you currently wearing? I'm currently wearing New Balance Fresh Form 1080s, and I'm loving them at the minute good so you found a shoe that works for you that's that's always yeah. good um let's 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 say that you've had a, a run on a hot day uh would you go for an ice cream afterwards or a swim in the sea oh probably i would go via the ice cream shop to then go for the swim in the sea i'm glad you answered that because i was going <laughs> to say i'd do both <laughs> i'd stand in the sea with my ice cream yeah uh, what's your favorite thing to do um eat or drink after a hard run or race um, I always go for savoury usually, and um, if I'm so it'll be anything savoury. If I'm at home and I've had a run, I somehow always want egg big eggs, beans and chips. That's one of my staples. I always liked after a long run. Eggs, beans and chips. That's a that's a good meal. That's a good with, <laughs> with brown sauce or tomato sauce. No, tomato <laughs> sauce. You get the chips in while you're having your shower or your bath, so they then <laughs> yeah. cook just when you get out in time, and then yeah, that that was always it. Perfect. <laughs> I like that answer. That's, that's a good meal. <laughs> uh, tea or coffee? Uh, tea. Tea. Okay. Um, can you name somebody who has inspired you to run? No, I can't name any individual, but I just think everybody who I've met in my running career has okay. kind of inspired me because of what they do as well. Cool. Good answer. Uh, have you got a favourite route in Portsmouth that you like to take when you're out for a run? Um, I tend to take the same route, which is usually along the seafront, and then I head up um, parallel to like the 275 and then across and back down. It's kind of okay. half half an island what I tend to do that one. I like to turn, I prefer to go out so it's harder to then cut your distance back, if that makes sense. Cool. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, cool. And and lastly, uh, and I think I may know the answer to this based on what we spoke about earlier, but if you could enter any race now anywhere in the world, what would it be? Ooh. I don't want to sway your answer there. <laughs> I'm not really familiar. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I've never really thought of that one. I just want one that is going to be just fun. I think I've seen when I think I've seen Susie Chan do the one across the jungle. That looks fun, but it looks incredibly hard. That one, if I was fit enough. Yes, I think that's the. That's I, I believe it's a coast, the Costa Rica coastal. Yes, challenge. that one. Yes, that yeah. one. She always. I mean, her images always look fun, whether it is or not. But yeah, that looks a fun one, but probably mm-hmm. hard. <laughs> I, th- I think I'd be absolutely petrified of the spiders and uh, and snakes. Oh yeah, and stuff. rubbish at it. But yeah, you know, if if basically I, you know, someone put my tent up and I was like, you know, guided all the way. Yeah, I'd be up for that. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the races I want to do overseas, they've they've got one danger point that we would never have over here in a race. And you know, for me, it's I'm going across to the west coast of America to run the Western States 100 miler, okay. and they have bears on the course, and people have oh, seen no. them. Oh, no. And for me, that's like, mm, do I really want to encounter a bear on a race? I can't think I'd be the one that gets large, eaten. Don't you? Something. Yeah, 
absolutely. So that's been absolutely brilliant. Um, I've really enjoyed chatting to you and, and hearing about, gosh, I mean, you've, you've done so much racing and stuff as a, as a youngster. And it's great to hear that you've kind of finally, I guess, found your groove a little bit more and, and, and are enjoying the running um, a bit yeah. more, but also, you know, still training, still racing as well. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really fascinating. Thank you so much. And just to end off with, uh, finally, is there anything you want to add um, about running generally or, or maybe more specifically about the community um, in Portsmouth? I just the community is great. I mean, everybody's always so encouraging and friendly about it. And I mean, just, you know, this last week with what's going on, it's just shown how much people come together when, you know, through running and through fitness. And it's yeah. that's, that's your best. That's your, your best support network. And my best my best support network and my best set of friends have been made through running. Um, and, you know, and the closeness I've got with a lot of them is just you wouldn't get that. I don't think if you didn't do running yeah it, it kind of yeah it really does bring people close together you're right good joey thanks again i'm going to leave you now to go off and enjoy the rest of your evening thank you very uh, much thank you so much really appreciate it and all the best with the running in the future all right thanks daniel cheers, cheers.